Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by Seat Geek. I heard that right. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. We actually have uh, an action-packed episode for you. Uh, we're waiting on the head coaching news. Probably going to happen on Saturday, so we'll have a Saturday pod. But before that, we're going to talk about Joe Shane's press conference, for one. A little boring, but some good stuff out there, and, and the Daniel Jones conversation begins. Every day I get on Twitter, and Daniel Jones is trending for me. Uh, the Giants sign Antonio Williams. Uh, we're bringing back Giant Stores and our outside linebacker review, which I think poses a few good questions in there besides just, like, let's talk about each player individual. Do you re-sign Lorenzo, uh, Roche, or Ellerson? Um, you know, those type of conversations. What is Aziz Ojolari? Justin, how are you doing? You're in the Bronx. Are we getting rid of that office? No, you're not getting rid of I can't hear you at all. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Are we getting rid of that office? I muted the wrong microphone on the roadcaster. I'm a genius. We are not getting rid of the Bronx Stromboy Media Office. We are in Manhattan. Ever? I I mean, maybe maybe not ever. But I, I mean, want that office. I like the Bronx office. I don't want to go to scumbag Manhattan. I want to, I want to be with the, my people in the Bronx next time I'm up there. Your people in the Bronx, which you insulted the Bronx last time you were up here. That's I mean, how our relationship works. Ah, I see, I see, I see. Hi, Bobby Skinner. Um, doing well. This is like the first time in two years that I've been working for John Boy Media, and John Boy Media has actually had the Bronx office that – I actually have the office working and <laughs> don't speak too soon. Cause this will screw up somehow. I already screwed up the first part where I had to get up and I, and I muted the wrong microphone. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing well, excited to be here. Excited to be talking with you. Yeah. You heard that right. Seek geek, new presenting sponsor of talking. Giants. They can actually get me some good tickets. I'm I, going to the magic game on Friday. And I'm paying I had $7 tickets like a scumbag. I was going to say, I mean, you know, Hey, I have some ideas about, you know, vlogging some road games. I'm going to Nashville this year. Just saying, let's go to Nashville. Let's have a good time. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. And excited about Joe Shane, too. Bobby Skinner, how are you? Doing good. Um, let's talk about Joe Shane, and then we've we spent a little too much time BSing, so we can, uh, we'll can we'll, we'll announce the patrons later after we talk about the Joe Shane press conference. Justin, there wasn't too much to take away from, but the biggest difference between – now, Gettleman is obviously a different story, but between Judge and Joe Shane – is I actually think Joe Judge did something really smart when he came in. He's like, I'm not going to address any s- single player until I can work with them in the building. Joe Shane took a different approach, which isn't a wrong approach, but it's left us like you know, kind of find forming some conclusions. Like it seems like they're going to the plan is to go with Daniel Jones in 2022, which isn't a shock to anybody. But from him talking about not only like we're going to evaluate who Daniel Jones is, it's just like, no, we're going to get the coaching staff and we're going to evaluate his strengths and build around that. Like not even a, a, a hint of like an opt out of, of moving on from Daniel Jones. And this isn't like Josh Rosen where it's year two versus year four, where it's a lot more likely of a scenario. Um, you know, that Mara's John Mara's quote, which is might be one of the funniest owner quotes of all times. Like we've done everything in our power to screw this kid. But I mean, Which, let's let's be real here. And I think John Mara has made a kind of commitment to this. He's right. That's that's the thing. He's right. And I think if it's John crazy Mara, to hear, though, if it, it is crazy to hear. But 
I mean, John Mara, when he said that, yes, I am embarrassed. And I think whenever I, whoever, whichever reporter asked it and he kind of took a moment and he's like, yeah, I, I am embarrassed with this football team right now, as he should be in the way that, in the way that he's run things and just the, the way the results have gone, you know, and this is a franchise that is very dedicated to finding the right things to do and doing things the right way and everything that they've done. You know, dating back to the last few years of Eli Manning's career, um, everything that they've done since then has been wrong, and I think he acknowledges that. And I think that's part of the it's part of the journey to self discovery, Bobby Skinner, that we need to that this franchise needs to go on. It was just wild to hear him say, like everything in our power means like you were making a, a conceited effort at it, um, which was just like it was like it was a very like sobering quote, like wow, he like actually said that. Um, and there's other hints that make it make it seem like they're going to build around Daniel Jones. Like he he wasn't afraid to take some shots at Spots on the roster. Talk about the offensive line being really bad, and basically basically said like, yes, we are going to go and get offensive linemen this offseason. Um, which I think we can I think we can all pencil in at least one of those two first round picks as an offensive line. Like I think that's a that's a guarantee at this point. He talked about having rounds one through four of the draft scouted, which would mean like if he wanted a QB, he would have someone in mind. You know, not be fully in on him, full blown love quite yet, but he'd have someone in mind. Yeah, but also, I mean, so here everybody is talking about Jones, and I was on the Entertainer stream for three and a half hours, um, you know, the other night, and we talked about this at at nauseating lengths. And Bobby Joe Shane has been here for less than a week. He hasn't even been a the general manager of the Giants for a full week. There is no way, no way that he has a full evaluation on Daniel Jones yet. So, I mean, the quotes are great. No, but if there's one player that he would have an evaluation on, it's Daniel Jones. But, I mean, Bobby, it's been less than a week. So, I hey, I believe the quote. I'll believe it for now. But, you know, uh, I am I am now in the, like, the and I hate to say this, but the wait-and-see mode about, about what they do. It's the fifth-year option that'll be the, the really big test, if they pick that up or if they don't. They that'll, can't pick it up. There's no way they're going to pick that. I would be blown away if they pick up that option. Wanna, up. If they want to build a team around Daniel Jones, then you would think that they – so that's why the words are deceiving. I think they're going to say that because Joe Shane – this is just what you do. This is what you do when you come to a football team. You support the guys that are in the building. You're going to make your own decisions, and that's the way that it should be. So yeah, I mean, I but even Mayor's quote, like Mayor's quote, seem and then uh, he, he Joe Shane also has some quotes after the press conference where he was talking to some of the media and yeah. you know he talked about you know like hey we can't Daniel Jones can't like it was very like you know if it's one thing to you know not like bash your quarterback and it's another thing to every time he's brought up to be like sounding like positive about him you know or sounding like you're gonna go into the next year and again not saying that they're like he told I don't think he believes in Daniel Jones he shouldn't. Like he shouldn't, but I do think he believes that he's going into 2022 with Daniel Jones as QB one, which doesn't mean a, just isn't a glowing endorsement of Daniel Jones either. Yeah, and that's I think the path that makes the most sense for the Giants, unless you fall in love with the quarterback this year, which I think we view as unlikely. So that's the path that does make the most sense. Daniel Jones is QB one for this year. Show growth, progress. I know Shane talked a lot about growth and progress, and you know there, it, there's different ways to show growth and progress besides growth and progress besides just wins and that's all just typical gm speak in there too but we'll yeah, there really wasn't much of substance bes- besides that out it, there. It, was, it was really like <laughs> it was a welcomed boring press conference because typically you know what i did for after every dave gentleman presser 
is I would have a minute and if he spoke for seven minutes, I would have a minute and a half worthy uh, amount of drops in there of like, this dude is just a funny dude. And uh, certainly we didn't get that this time. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm a little toxic. Like I kind of missed Dave Gellman press conferences. Absolutely. Like I, the, the whole analytics like ant thing, like that was, he was just like, basically said like, I don't care what nerds say. Like that's, that's a hilarious moment. There's so many great Dave Gellman moments. It's unfortunate that- though, that it was a little too like, what's the word? It was a little too true. You know, his dismissal of analytics and, you know, we're, you know, I, I remember at the time we're like, there's just no way that he's just that dismissive of everything. Right. And I think clearly the answer was yes. I, I think he was just dismissive of it. And it, it, it the, probably the most funny thing that came out of all this with Joe Shane is when he was on with Tiki and Tierney on WFAN. And he's like, yeah, we, we literally have to change everything in this building. And, you know, this even includes the draft boards are, magnets they have magnets and they probably you know write out the guy's names or they print out the guy's names and then they have their board is a is a magnetic board he's like we got to make things digital <laughs> it's just we gotta we gotta get this football team in the 21st century so uh i i got i gotta if there was a line that i got to laugh out of it was uh it was that he actually mentioned dave gellman in the press conference he just didn't say his name he talked about there was a you know brandon bean learned from the gm in carolina um does that make him part of the dave gellman tree Yes. 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 Um, remember, he, you remember in Joe Shane's press conference when he was naming all the people that he was thanking? He said Dave Gettleman. No, he didn't. Uh, we only have nine picks instead of 11. He was wrong about I, I Who told him that we have 11 picks? I almost I, think he viewed, like looked at my tweet that said the Giants have 11 picks bef- like after they traded Ryan Santoso and before they traded for Billy Price. Yeah, I, I think he was under the impression that whatever happened with Billy Price and then that's another pick, I think, and then Santoso, and then that makes it 11. Or, or I mean, conspiracy theory, you, you trade Saquon and you get one or two picks out of that. And then well, boom, they just signed a running back. Um, No, obviously he, he didn't, he, you know, he – Someone told him wrong. Um, it'd be nice if, you know, someone like after he did, you know, uh, research Rick pointed out, it's like he did that other interview the day before set 11 picks and no one corrected him where he kept can I, on can repeating I say something about that. Can I, can I, can I say something? You if seem you're, like you're in a shitty mood. If, no, I'm not in a shit. I'm not in a shitty mood. No, I think I'm, I think I'm you just, a, you seem, you feel like you're annoyed with just people on Twitter right now. No, no, I, I've barely been on Twitter this week. I've had a very busy week. Hopefully, you, you all will see what we did, you know, soon. Um, finally got what involved, is it? Finally got involved with the company John Boy Media when Bobby and I we've segregated ourselves usually. Maybe that's it. what it is. Is you're too, you're you're like John Boy Media? What are they doing? Yeah, media snobby. I can't say. Um, Just say it. I can't. Can't say it. I, I think legit they would fire us. Um, but uh, maybe if you're, if you're the GM of of, of a new team. I think you should know how many draft picks you have. Yeah, but I'm not going to make a big deal about it. No, I'm not either. But it's almost like, hmm, shouldn't you know that? I think you should. <laughs> yeah, he was almost like bragging about it, Like, I've never had this before. Um, there, is, is there anything else from this press conference, you know, to pull from? With like Gettleman pressers in the past, we'd spend 20 minutes and then you'd have like a Joe Judge one paired on it. This one, I, I just don't feel like belaboring. It's like, welcome to, it was a welcome to the Giants, you know, uh, thing, you know, mentioned, you know, Parcells and the fans and blah, blah, blah. Like, there's really, the only, the only stuff was the QB stuff. And then John Mayer flat out ruled out Deshaun Watson. 
afterwards, which I actually kind of appreciated instead of, you know, having the people deal with speculation and stuff, just like flat out, like, no, we're not doing that. I love that. Yeah. We can stop getting YouTube comments on it. He had two really good inspirational quotes, one to his kids. And then one that I think his high school basketball coach used to say, I'm going to play them. I'm going to play them right now. But if you do the right thing, you get good grades, you treat people the right way, you can truly achieve anything you put. Learn how to work as hard as you can every time and everything you do, you will not know how to work any different way. So we dropped those two inspirational lines, like anything is possible and like work hard in the first five minutes. And then I'm like, is Joe Shane about to be like an inspirational quote guy? Because I would have loved that. But I kind of hate inspirational quote guy. I know, but I I, I love it because I'm already ready to run through a brick wall for him right now. Anything else from the press, we can move on. Yes. No, I actually have um, one one thing. Um, he said this kind of towards the end. The question was, do you have the authority to make changes in the front office? First, you know, short answer, yes. And then he kind of went on about you know another minute explaining about how he's going to give the people in the building the fair shot showing that you're a good teammate. He kind of used that line over and over again because us, us as Giants fans right now, we've been talking about this, that there's a lot of work that needs to be done, not just in GM and ownership, you know, with how the changes that need to be made there and the mentality and then getting Dave Gettleman out of the building. But, you know, we talk about Chris Mara. You know, we talked about Chris Pettit. I mean, Chris Pettit, I think, is like priority number one on possibly getting him out of the building. But, you know, these guys, they're going to have the opportunity to show if they can be good teammates now, I think more likely than not, there's going to be a lot of people in the building that maybe don't show that they're the best of teammates um, based on what we've heard in the past. But I think and I hope Joe Shane is going to have the authority to get those people out if they don't show that they belong. And it's, it's hard to when the draft and free agency are right away to come in and just have heads roll immediately because like, well, you that stuff is right around the corner. Like Joe Shane, for example, he didn't join uh, Brandon Bean until after the draft. Yeah, you know, like that's when he became the assistant GM. I'm sure there was like some type of plan in place for that, um, but it's like okay, like we kind of we got to go through the draft. So, and again, I do think I think a couple people will be gone, and maybe Chris Pettis, one of those, or not. But like, I don't think Kevin Abrams will be gone before the draft. But I would be, I wouldn't be shocked at all if after the draft he's gone. He's like, okay, I can find my own cap guy who is also better at evaluating talent. But he's like, you know, I can work with this guy for the next four months until this draft process is over. You know, when they have eight months of, you know, building towards it already done. And also we're replacing the word analytics with data innovation. Analytics is too much. Analytics of a needs it. It has kind of a bad rep. They need to kind of, you know, have a new a brand uh, a change. Too much of a hot button word. So we're changing it to data innovation. And I guess what? I'm here for it. I love it. And Joe Shane, uh, what I so what I like about Joe Shane and, you know, the way that he kind of integrates, you know, analytics. It's not just saying that we're going to use it and then that's the end of the statement, that's the end of the sentence. Like, he's able to talk about it casually and just integrate it into his kind of answers about how he, you know, manages or what he expects specifically out of a head coach. He mentioned about analytics and data innovation and, you know, maybe I think, you know, referring to player tracking data and possibly referring to with fourth down decisions um, using some models that maybe the team has or some other people have. Um, and that should be part of the decision-making on whether you should go for it on fourth down. So he said that's one of the things that he is looking for in head coach, which I did like. Um, so that's that's another thing that really sparked me. And 
Like I again, I'm ready. I am ready to run through a brick wall for Joe Shane. I could be wrong, but he's got me excited. I'm ready to run through a brick wall for Jimmy Garcia, who's his brother Jeff Garcia kind of got some uh, hate today, kind of deservedly so. Jeff Garcia was being a dick. Matthew Spenley, he uh, he Spenley two dollars a month on 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 Talking Giants. Chris uh, Chris Vigars, he likes to smoke cigars. Justin, you and him would get along really well. Wow, and then. Angelo Trento, which Angelo is just a, Angelo. Hello, Angelo. Justin, who are these cigar smoking, money spending, average quarterback brothers? I'll tell you what, Bobby Skinner. We're going down to the Senior Bowl. It, the weather's not looking too good, but I want to bring some cigars with me. The weather's going to be warmer. Hope it's not raining. I want to bring some cigars down. And these cigar smoking Patreon members, they went to patreon.com slash talking giants and they're sponsoring today's show. $2 a month plus some other tiers. You are watching the show live. You get the opportunity to do that and hang out with us, chat with us. You get access to some shirt raffles, and Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers or magnets in the mail. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thank you to our patrons. All right, let's get into the, the fun stuff of the show. Instead of talking about what people, talking about what people talked about. Um, the Giants made the first signing of the Joe Shane era, the first transaction. And it's a futures deal, which means it's usually a nothing thing. But I actually... I don't think this is nothing. Now, maybe to the casual fans, nothing, but to the fans like like me and you, Justin, who are very involved in the running back three battle, this is actually kind of big. The Giants signed Antonio Williams, who's been uh, on the practice squad for the Buffalo Bills the last two years, so obviously Joe Shane knew him. Uh, he, he's played in, we played in one game, which was the season finale in 2020. He had 12 carries, 63 yards, two touchdowns, 5.3 yards for carry, and a catch for another 20 yards. Uh, undrafted free agent out of U- out of UNC who had transfers from Ohio State. Justin, I think this guy right now has the track to be running back free. Like I'm telling you, I will go back and you know watch that game versus the Miami Dolphins. He shows you more than Gary Brightwell ever did at the University of Arizona playing against Pac-12 teams. Like he ran, like he was hitting holes. He was running through dudes, like putting his shoulder through uh, some sons of guns. Um, showed like had some decent speed to him. Had some like. At the end of the game, when they're trying to get to the kneel down, I mean, he had some just real, real patience, like sit, 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 cut back, go, and, and would led to a first down. Um, like he showed, like again, he showed more than Gary Brightwell showed me at University of Arizona. Like if we just did, if we did our camp battles episode right now, and it was RB three, Antonio Williams would be my answer, and and he had competition for this signing too. Yeah, and you were you were giving me a little bit of a theory on the phone before the show too. Why don't you uh? Why don't you say that about how Williams came to sort of choose the Giants? Why don't you why don't you share that? Well, a Bills um, uh, reporter, Ryan Talbot, he reported like the Bills and other teams were trying to get like sign him to a futures deal. Like other teams were. The Giants were the one that did it. Was it because he didn't want to be with the Bills after two years? I think it really is because of what I just said. Like if there if there's a, you know, Saquon could be gone. I don't think he will be, but he could be. Devontae Booker could be cut. What other team has a chance to, you know, go and, and and get reps for? Like Gary Brightwell's not a good player, you know. Like he was drafted solely for special teams. Yeah. The the running back after Gary Brightwell is a fullback in Elijah Penny. So if there's any running back like spot where, and we see it with UDFA's all the time, like you know guys who don't play year one, year two, turn into running backs who get reps. Not everyone's going to be a Ryan Grant Packers story, but you know, get reps. This probably was like the most desirable place for him and having that connection with Joe Shane. 
you know, an undrafted free agent. Uh, I'm sure Joe Shane had like some type of connection with him and, you know, keeping him around on the practice squad. So I, maybe excited is the wrong word, but I like this. Like, I, I think this guy if is better than Gary Brightwell day one. I just like it from the point of it's a running back. Like that's the first move and it's a running back that's cheap and it's a running back that has an, that has a realistic chance of being RB three. That's why I like it. People were trolling him because, Oh, of course, uh, like Dave Gettleman, his first move is signing a running back, blah, blah, blah. I love this. I mean, think of the, you know, watch, watch the investment that Joe Shane is going to put in running backs versus what Dave Gettleman did with running backs of Devontae Booker overpaying for him day one for agency overpaying for Jonathan Stewart and way over drafting Saquon Barkley. Watch how different the running back position is going to be and watch it. Guess what? Watch it be better because you're going to prioritize offensive line more running backs are going to be better when you prioritize offensive line more. I don't care where they're signed or where they're drafted. Did you think make anything out of, out of Joe Shane's comments on Saquon Barkley after the presser at that seemed a lot less committal committed than the Daniel Jones comments. I view the Saquon Barkley comments just as the same as the Daniel Jones comments by Joe Shane. Now, John Mara may have a different vision, but I think Joe Shane's going to have that majority say it's like his, his opinion and what, and his guidance. I, and I do believe Mara when he does say that, um, I don't think Mara is going to overrule, you know, not bringing back Jones or if there's a trade for Daniel Jones, which is unlikely, but um, I don't think he's going to overrule that. So I've used, I weigh, in my opinion, Shane's comments on Daniel Jones the same as Saquon Barkley. And maybe why you would weigh Shane's comments on Jones more is just guaranteeing him that he's on the team in 2022, which is not a hot take. All right, so Antonio Williams, keep uh, keep an eye out for him in camp. He, yeah. he might be on the like the camp battles episode, position battle episode, which is one of my favorites as we start camp next year in August. Or actually, that episode is at the end of July, so get get ready for that. All right, Justin, we have we've grown about three hundred percent since last year. Yes, this next part of the show is not known by a lot of people. Can I read something first before you introduce that part of the show? Yeah, you could read the ad first. All right, so DraftKings Sportsbook, you know, not not presenting the show anymore, but they are still partners with us, and we love DraftKings. They didn't get too mad at Bobby because he kept on begging for Orlando Magic tickets. So that's not the reason why they're not presenting the show anymore. But John Boy and Jake, they are going to be watching on the John Boy and Jake TV channel. I have that link in the description. This Sunday, they're going to be watching and betting live on the championship games. So DraftKings Sportsbook is officially live in New York. To kick things off, Jimmy and Jake, John Boy and Jake, are going head-to-head in a live sports betting competition Tune in this Saturday, January, th- so, excuse me, tune in this Sunday, January 30th, as they live stream the NFC Championship on the John Boy and Jake YouTube channel. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook and get up to a $1,000 deposit bonus insight credits with your first deposit. Don't miss your shot to bet along with John Boy and Jake. Good guys, our bosses. I have to say that they're good people. All right, bringing back the segment. So we do this every in the offseason. Besides draft month, every single Friday, every day I watch the Giants players' Instagram stories. Keep keep tabs of what they're doing. Basically, unless they're it's it's just workouts. Um, we're talking about what the Giants or players are doing. It's called Giants stories. We voted on on the name two years ago. We did put out a poll. We vote J or vote K, which I actually looked for the name because someone said they liked your name better. I tried to find that poll tweet, couldn't find it. But so, 
Justin, do we have music this year? For this episode, no, we don't. Can I can I do it? I can do the music right now. No, that's gonna throw me off. This week on Giant Stories, Blake Martinez, Caden Smith, and Nico Lalos went to the Pelicans game at Madison Square Garden. Kadarius Tony celebrated his birthday. Happy birthday, Kadarius. And he released Warrior 3. Have you listened to Warrior 3 yet, Justin? No, Col- I'm a Colin Gillespie went skeet shooting. Skeet, skeet, skeet. Leonard Williams uh, catch, caught, and ate lobster. And I think he got added some turtles to the family. So Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams is the star of this segment, you'll find out. Cam Brown is looking for a blue-nosed pit bull if anyone's trying to sell one. Logan Ryan is playing Monopoly, and guess what? He got some foster cats. How about that? Logan Ryan and Cam Brown basically being opposite. Logan Ryan taking in some foster animals. Cam Brown wants to buy a dog. And Sandro Plattscummer is on his way to L.A. for Super Bowl week. I'm sure it probably has something to do with the international program. Shout out Dion Dargan for trying to deny us a Sandro interview. Douche. Justin, what's piquing your interest this week? Logan Ryan's getting cats? Yeah, I think he got some foster cats, like like little kittens, like baby kittens. I thought the charity was with dogs. Are we integrating new things now? Maybe, but I mean, the charity is with dogs, but maybe he just wanted to get some kittens for his family. Like, he's got dogs, too. <laughs> I did laugh when you said <laughs> Cam Brown is looking to buy a dog. I don't know why that made me laugh. Um, did you listen? You listened to Warrior. I didn't, honestly. Oh, come on. That, that's really bad on us. Should we make one of the songs the intro for this podcast since there's really not like a, a theme of this one? Yeah, if you want, let's do it. All right, I'll pick one after this and we'll 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 have that. Um did you see Tony's tattoo, by the way? That's on there with the big eighty nine. Yes, that seems a- like a mistake. Even not, I know he's not changing from eighty nine, but like you never know where you're gonna get drafted next. You mean traded or, or get or get you know get traded or something like it's just that's a big old tattoo of just a number and isn't but also isn't like the Statue of Liberty or something New York on his back too probably but it's gigantic but I'm glad he's I'm you know I'm glad he's committed like come on dude you can't trade me look at that tattoo um, that makes look, me feel better though yeah Tony Tony the Tony conversation is so like one side or the other when it's really in the middle. Like, there's one side, it's like, oh, don't worry about what I'm doing. He's living his own life. And then there's one side, it's like, they're, you know, they nitpick at every little thing. Where really, it's like, hey, most of the stuff he does is fine. It's just not like what you see from typical athletes. But also, hope he gets through this offseason without getting in trouble. That's where I am. It's like, love you, dude. You're going to do you, and I want you to do you. Get through the offseason. Like, people, yeah, like, people getting mad at him for, like, having rap, like, rapping. Like, that's silly. Like you wouldn't say the same. Like you, you better keep the same energy like Snacks does with like Blake Martinez playing uh, Pokemon. Like you have you better have a huge issue because Blake Martinez seems to be way more in the Pokemon than Kadarius Tony is into rap. I hate, um, I hate Blake. No, I don't, I don't hate Blake Martinez. I hate the Pokemon. I just think it's weird. Yeah, Pokemon is kind of weird. Um, and then there's also the people who are like just like nothing he does is wrong because he's on the Giants. Um, so really nothing else. Uh. You know, Leonard Williams, this is actually kind of a boring week for this. While well, this would be an exciting what week for others. Remind me. Uh, he caught and ate some lobster, and, and I think he got some turtles, or he has, he has had some turtles. I don't know if he's keeping them. Turtle soup? That's a thing. Yeah, he's not eating the turtles. They're like boxer turtles. Come on. Uh, turtle soup is actually pretty illegal now, I think, too. 
Is Leonard Williams going to get surgery on that elbow? I don't think so. I haven't seen anything on it. I mean, I guess not getting surgery is better to just, you know, recover. But remember when he hit, remember he had like a season ending injury and then he was just back the next week? Yeah. He really didn't want to have like the, like, cause he'd played every game of his career. I think, I think he just didn't want to lose that streak, but he played and he played pretty decently too. I don't blame him. I don't um, blame him. All right. That's giant stories. Let's talk about the outside linebacker edge room. How about that? Justin, the outside linebacker room. The edge room, once again, just wasn't able to make a, a real impact. They weren't able to get those consistent pressures that you need from that group to rush for. It just was not there all year. They had a rookie, Aziz Ojolari, who we're going to talk about first, who there's a lot to be hoped for. But Justin, you had we talked about last year, the different Leonard Williams just versus the outside linebacker room last year. Leonard Williams had better stats and sacks, tackles for a loss, uh, QB hits, pressures, uh, like, just was better in all those categories. Now, Leonard Williams uh, didn't have that same type of numbers this year. But I compare, compared the edge room uh, 2020 versus 2021 to see how different they were. Now, sacks, there was a big difference. In 2020, they had nine and a half sacks. This year, they had 15 and a half, largely thanks to Aziz or Jalori. They only had three more QB hits and two more pressures. Oh so you kind of had very similar production than you had the 2020 edge room which was less talented, was running guys out like Carter Coughlin and Nico Lalos and Cam Brown. And this year, the edge room was, you know, how does Ezo Jolari, Lorenzo Carter back, uh, you know, O'Shane Zimenez healthy, who was a third-round pick once upon a time, uh, you know, two other rookies and Roche and Ellison Smith. And we'll talk about each of these guys on an individual basis. But the edge room just wasn't able to uh, get pressure. And I don't think anyone's going to blink if the Giants get an edge with either their first or second pick. The edge room is the positional group that was number one most way misevaluated by the Giants front office and coaching as well. Um, Afedio Denebo, remember him? He was supposed to be converted to an edge rusher and I guess be like this value signing like a la Marcus Golden. You know, Maybe not get double-digit sacks, but just be this one-year guy that can do something, but he didn't even make it to the regular season. And, you know, Bobby has always said that, you know, Hey, this guy doesn't really fit the edge room. He's more of an interior defensive lineman. Like he's played the entire, his entirety of his career. So you had to cut him. Um, so that's one less guy that was involved from the start. And Lorenzo Carter coming off that Achilles injury didn't even look like the player that he was at the start of 2020. So that's number one, they misevaluated it. And number two, do you view it as the most disappointing positional group? Cause I do view it as the most disappointing positional group. Like disappointing from like what your expectations were, or just like, like just worst group on the team. I'm gonna say expectations because Bobby, when you compare the 2020 edge room, what was the thing that we were saying over the off season? It was non-existent. Just it it, it didn't even exist the edge room, you know. And the fact that we had Aziz, Zoe, O'Shane, Ellerson, Smith all kind of involved in there. You know, Ed Quincy Roche, who was like this, oh, he was a nice surprise. We got him. We snagged him up from, from Pittsburgh. Like, that edge room should 100%, without a doubt, be better than what it was in 2020, where, where you're relying on Cam Brown, who was an interior linebacker, Carter Coughlin, who's not even big enough to be an edge rusher. You know, all these different things, just a revolving door. You know, I will say disappointing in expectations and just performance-wise. Mm. 
I think the tight end room. Okay, that's fair. But yeah, it's definitely disappointing. So, but let's let's start. Let's get into individual players, and we'll start at the top with the best one, Aziz Ojolari. This was the one that wasn't disappointed. Aziz Ojolari had a very successful rookie season. You know, especially when you consider how damn young he is. Like he's a young, uh, like one of the younger uh, rookies. Eight sacks, eight tackles for a loss, thirteen QB hits, twenty-seven pressures. Led the team in sacks, tackles for a loss, and pressure, which is a, which is very impressive for a young guy. Justin, he's young, and he's got a lot of room to grow. And I, but I think he's going to be that two going forward. Like I don't think he's ever going to build into be that one. I don't know if he's going to ever have that power to you know to push through the shoulder of guys. He's have the speed. Um, he wasn't double teamed a lot last this year, so I don't think a number one guy in here was going to just totally change him and put him at the next level. Uh, but it, it certainly will help. Uh, because, you know, well, it's like the QB scrambling. Look, he's right in Aziz Ojolari's rep slap, lap who won a second later than the number one edge guy. So, like, you, you, Aziz Ojolari should come away very proud. I mean, he was top four in all the major pass rushing categories for rookies this year. It was basically like Micah Parsons, Jalen Phillips, and Aziz Ojolari were the top three edge guys from this class. Yeah, and I also thought he was a better run defender than I thought he would be coming into the NFL because the thing that we were saying over and over again is, yeah, Aziz, you know, he he's going to get sacks. You know, he he may get, you know, somewhere between that five to ten sack range and eight sacks, you know, for your rookie year. I mean, perfect. I mean, that kind of over exceeded my expectations for him. You know, the pressure, getting pressure on a consistent basis is a different story. But, Bobby, I mean, there were really good flashes of him making some really nice plays against the run, which I, I just, I flat out, I didn't expect that. I did not expect that. And that even dates back to, to preseason, made some nice plays against the run, and that kind of continued throughout the season too. So, you know, he's going to get stronger. Like you, you mentioned how young he was. He's got to add some more, you know, some more uh, meat to his bones, which I think he can, and I think he will. And, you know, Zizo Jalari, hopefully you can rock and roll as that, that number two. But the, the pressure does need to improve. I mean, 13 QB hits and, you know, getting eight sacks. You know, I typically think if you're getting eight sacks, you should be getting closer to 20 QB hits. I view 20 QB hits as like a solid year pressure-wise. And 27 pressures, let's compare that to Gregory Rousseau, who played less than 50% of the snaps for Buffalo. He had 24 pressures this year. Aziz Ojolari played 67% of the snaps, had 27 pressures. So good year, got to the quarterback, had some nice plays, was better against the run than I think I expected and maybe you expected. Um, but let's build off of it in year two. Yeah, like he'll, he'll be he'll get like some... You know, some stray defensive rookie of the year votes, not for one, but like, you know, third or whatever. Again, I don't think he's ever going to be like that super strong, like bull rush type of player. I don't. But like you said, in the run game, he's good at disengaging players. Like it's like, yeah, is he going to power through an offensive tackle? Is he ever going to power through Andrew Thomas or, or those type of tackles? No, but he's good at not letting those guys, don't, you know, move him and disengaging and dipping that shoulder and getting skinny or getting down the line and scrimmage fast. He's very agile. Like, he's got a lot of good tools. And, again, he's a rookie. So, like, I, you should be very proud of his rookie season. Do we have our next great Giants pass rusher? I don't think so. I think we have our, our next good one. Like, he's he's the biggest and best investment in the in uh, the edge room under the Dave Gettleman era. Like, literally the most, uh, you know, if you could go after free agents or just, you know, high draft picks, he is – he is number one in that group. So, yeah, I, I think we should all be excited about Aziz Ojolari. Don't put some huge ceiling on him next year where you expect him to be one of the top pass rushers in the NFL. But it's like, you know, he's just, he was picked 50th overall. You know, we didn't, we're not expecting. If he wasn't picked 13th, he was picked 50th overall. And if he turns into a, a really solid number two edge rusher, which I think he is, 
Like that's a really solid draft pick and someone you can build and keep around going forward for the next, you know, eight to 10 years. And the Giants this year, they kind of changed philosophies a little bit, I feel, where 2020, they were huge on running those three defensive lineman formations. And I feel that really slowed down this year, you know, with a lot more two edge rushers, two interior defensive linemen, two interior linebackers. And you saw less three safety sets too. You know, and I think all that, they kind of all work intertwined together of, you know, utilizing the personnel in a different way. And and when you ha- when at least you feel like you have two capable edge rushers and obviously losing Dalvin Tomlinson's a part of that too. So not prior, I'm all for not prioritizing those interior defense alignment as, hey, we're going to, these guys have to get to the quarterback and we're just going to have one edge rusher out there. Let's have these edge rushers that can be versatile, that can play the run, but then also when need be, because this is a passing league, get after the quarterback too. Love it. And we're not a team that blitzes a ton, which helps out sack numbers. You know, like I'm sure Jalen Phillips' sack numbers are helped out by blitzing a ton where he got more one-on-one opportunities or QBs outside the pocket. So very successful rookie season for Aziz Ojolai, rookie of the year. If you didn't vote for him rookie of the year, you're insane. Whoops. Next on the list. This is a very complex. I think he might be one of the more complicated players on the on the roster when you consider timeline and his, his level of play in his career. Lorenzo Carter. This season, Justin, he had 50 tackles, five sacks, six tackles for a loss, eight QB hits, and an interception. Now, the last five games of the year, he had 26 tackles. So over 50% of his tackles, just barely, were in the last five games of the year. He had five sacks. All of his sacks came in the last five games of the year. All of his tackles for a loss, or all but one of his tackles for a loss came in the last five games of the year. And all but one of his QB hits came in the last five games of the year. <laughs> so on an expiring deal where it's like the Lorenzo Carter, it's done. He's done as a New York Giant. He has this last five-game stretch. Just before we talk about just the big-picture conversation on Lorenzo, what I think he is, is he's kind of like that got-a-little-bit-of-everything type player. Like, he's got that strength where he can push the shoulder versus certain tackles. He's got a decent enough speed where he can take advantage of, of slower offensive tackles. But he's just never going to be... a. He shouldn't be a starter, a starting player. He should be viewed as a depth piece. The only reason he's a starter is because of how bad this edge room is. And I don't care if, like, he's not going to play like he did the last five games of the year consistently going forward. Like, I feel like we need to get that out of our mind. Let's not look at that five-game sample size and be like, that's who he is. Because um, if you look at a lot of, you know, guys who have better numbers and, and games, stats come in bunches at times. Um, and again, those those stats aren't even that great, by the way. Like it's it's he basically had the same year as he had in 2019, and were we all weren't we all disappointed in Lorenzo Carter in 2019? He's 26 years old, coming off the injury, so that's why you you put a little more weight into the end because he was coming off the injury, Justin. But I just don't know what to do with Lorenzo Carter. He had um 22 percent more defensive snaps this year than his rookie year, but he had three more pressures his rookie year than he did in 2021, which is really upsetting. Um, Bobby, I go back and forth on Lorenzo Carter all the time because I hear you, but how do you weigh the torn Achilles, which that's, that's a legit injury. That's a legit injury. You know, the whole Saquon conversation, I think that's, that's a different conversation where it's like, yeah, we have to, I think, criticize him, you know, accordingly. But I think the Achilles injury is, I think it's a different animal. Obviously he's not going to be the guy that's going to put up five sacks in five games from here on out. But 
he did look more or less like the player and the pace that he was playing and the intensity that he was playing last five games of the season, like he was at the start of 2020. And this is never going to be a player that's going to put up a lot of pressures, a lot of QB hits, and a lot of sacks. He's never going to be that guy. But he's just going to be an all-around solid football player for your team. So I view the final five games of the season as I do want this guy back next year, but it has to it has to very much come at the right price. And if there's one guy that's like, yeah, you should be taking a hometown discount just because of who knows what you're going to get on that open market. Lorenzo Carter is that guy. Um, but also you have to weigh at the same time, if you bring back Carter and you draft an edge rusher or two, what does that mean for the future of Carter, Ellerson Smith, Quincy Roche? But we can have that conversation. So you have to also have to think about that too. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it to to not bring back Lorenzo Carter. Like, I think he gets overrated because of how bad our edge group is has been for the last four years. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, he, he got a lot better as the year went along, which is very true. He was playing really well through the last five games of the season. He, he was. He was playing. But he wasn't, like, a dominant player. No. Would you slate him? If, he, if you, like, would you slate him in as a starter role going forward? I don't think I want it. No, no, but that's not the point. But this guy, you know, he's on an expiring deal, and you, and if you have an opportunity to bring him back for – the right price. I don't, I, I think you do do it, but it's the fact that it's Joe Shane and new management and this guy didn't draft him. So it does make the most sense just to not bring him back. It does make well, the most sense. I put out a poll and I, and, and I put it at Kyler Fackrell's contract. We had probably had a similar 20, like one in one year, one and a half mil. Would you resign Lorenzo Carter for that? Which, and 90% voted yes, which a little surprising, but like not, you know, not surprising. And I, and I, I probably would like I would definitely be behind that, but a lot of people treated it like it was crazy, like that was crazy, like he would turn that down. Like, look at what Fetty Odenabo's numbers. Look at Kyler Fackrell's number. Look at guys around the league's numbers and look at the contracts they're getting, and they're getting that. That's the type of contract they're getting. Maybe, maybe two, two and a half mil. Like, could I see a team paying Lorenzo two and a half to three? Sure, maybe. Not a guarantee though. And here's the other thing you have to consider with the Giants. One, they're going to probably draft someone as the edge group. So now he's the third guy on the list. And here's the other thing. Can't Quincy Roche be what Lorenzo Carter is? Like, can't we just have faith in the young guy to be what Lorenzo Carter is? Like, let's not for, let's not forget the guy behind him. Don't, don't we want to give Ellerson Smith at least a little bit of a shot? So again, if they bring him back on that deal, I'm happy. But like a $3 million deal? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think I'm gonna. I'm like. I'm gonna be like. I feel like that's kind of an overpay. I feel like you're overpaying for your own guy. Um, but he's not, he's not Shane's guy. But he's a Giants, obviously. So like, I'm not. I'm not really like in a rush to bring back Lorenzo again. If he takes that deal, if you get, if you put that deal and he says no, it's like, don't think twice about it. See ya. See ya. Like that. That's all. I'm. That's like anything above that to me would be an overpay for Lorenzo Carter. When you consider that it's a new GM. You're gonna have two guys ahead of him on the depth chart, uh, ahead of him, and also it's like, well, can't, like Quincy Roche can do what he did. Yeah. Quincy Roche can do what he did. Like we're not gonna be missing Lorenzo Carter. Ellerson Smith is the wild card, and we'll we'll save we'll save a, a conversation about that when we actually get to him. But I do feel like Ellerson Smith is the wild card. I'm not putting any faith in Ellerson Smith. Oh, that's no, that's the point because Ellerson Smith. What not only was he is a project, 
like is and that was the one pick usually we're very optimistic like yeah this guy this guy could be something short and this is this is the path in which he can be something and that's usually what we do elson smith was the one pick this year where we were like and gary brightwell um and that we were like well brightwell's not even a project he just sucks yeah correct we, we were like yeesh like what's uh, what's the projection for this guy we don't know i mean yeah he could be a good pass rusher but he still has to add muscle mass. He still needs to get that playing experience because this is a guy that was small and then he opted out and he still needed to add more muscle mass. And then he, and then he got hurt and he, you know, he was used basically this year, I guess we're skipping Quincy Roche. And he was basically used this year as the setup man for running stunts. I mean, that was Ellerson Smith's role. So I would not be surprised. So here's a hot take. I had a hot take that O'Shane Zimenez would be cut this past year and that was a pseudo good take because that's how I viewed uh, O'Shane Zimenez, and he basically was cut the second half of the year because he didn't suit up. I think Joe Shane does cut Ellerson Smith. So that was actually a question I was going to pose to you in the Quincy Roche part is, and I want to get your answer on the Lorenzo Carter thing to finish that, but we'll we'll go we'll come back to that. Roche Ellerson Smith, who are you picking right now? Quincy Roche. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Now Ellerson has a higher ce- Ellerson has a higher ceiling than I think. I don't want to get too crazy, but like he could be. He has. I feel like he might. He has a higher ceiling than Aziz Ojolari. I never expect him to be better than Aziz Ojolari, but he does have a higher ceiling. Kind of sick and tired of talking about ceilings because O'Shane had a high ceiling. Um, you know, Lorenzo Carter. I don't. You know, how to, we we all say we all say these things. Like, but uh, did we say Lorenzo Carter? I don't know. I, I mean, I didn't say that. People say those things, yes, but like I, don't, I didn't say that about Lorenzo or O'Shane. O'Shane was just like he has speed and he's got some real pass rush moves. Let him go out there and, and freestyle, and he just didn't do that. Yeah. Quincy Roche. 38 tackles, two and a half sacks, five tackles for loss, five QB hits, played 42% of the snaps. You know, joined the team the well, week before the season started uh, as a you know claim from the Steelers, someone that we liked in the draft process. He kind of just plays everything decent. He's got like I think his best trait is his hands to go with his uh you know decent speed and decent strength. Uh, he plays the run really well, especially like like gap responsibility and sealing down uh you know the the backside lanes. You know uh you know setting the edge. He does a good job with the, all those things. Um, never going to be a really good player, but I think he's a like I think Quincy Roche will probably play out his rookie contract with the Giants. That was probably one of Gettleman's best final moves is you know, kind of sweeping him up. And now he's under contract for the next three years. And it's a cheap option. And it's a guy that you know, we're going to have here. And then a guy that can contribute for the next few years. So he, he was a guy, he was one of those guys that, you know, you look at the stat sheet and it's like five QB hits, five tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. Um, and you're like, yeah, it doesn't impress you much. But I do feel a lot of that was centered in when he first kind of got here. And then when he started to get reps and then he really cooled down. Um, Bobby, do you also feel like that's the case? Uh, Qu- where was Quincy Roche the final like two months of the season? I, I, I don't Losing know. his reps to Lorenzo Carter. Fair. Fair. But I feel like the eye test and how I viewed him and how I watched him as a player was more fun than obviously a statue. Yeah, he he has really good reps. You know, like he's like, oh my God. Like, you know, the game winner versus the Raiders was... It was the best pass rush move all season. 
was that was that rep. That was the best pass rep, you know, better than any of these Ojolari sack or QB hit. Was that was the just just totally just murk Colton Miller strip sack game winner. Like that was a beautiful play for Quincy Roche. Um, so again, like he's, you know, people were talking about him being a number two at some point in the season, which was always crazy. And we actually, I think we did a segment on that on the mailbag. Um, I think he's like, a, he's, I, again, I think he can do what Lorenzo Carter does. You know, I think he can improve and do what Lorenzo Carter, you know, does. Um, and again, I'm not expecting Lorenzo Carter to put those five stacks. So I'm going to bring it back to Lorenzo Carter. Do you sign him to a one year, one and a half million dollar deal? No. I would, I want to, but your point on Quincy Roche can do what Lorenzo Carter does. It would be redundant to spend that million and a, at least $1.5 million on Lorenzo Carter when, yes, Quincy Roche can do what he does, and he's a lot cheaper, and he's here for three more years. So give what, him the shot. What if only half a mil of it's guaranteed? People are going to hate this. T- like, people hate this take, but I think it's the right take. If they sign him for one year, one and a half, I'll be happy with it. If they Free, don't even offer him that, I'll also be fine with it. Free agency comes first, and you don't sign Lorenzo Carter, and you know you obviously still have uh, Quincy Roche in here. You have Aziz Ojolari, you have Ellerson Smith, and then I think you cut O'Shane. I think then you're committing yourself to drafting two edge rushers, which I am all for. Like, let's go. We this. I want to, I, I would want a stud and then, you know, another, you know, another guy that you can have under contract for four years. And then that's your edge room. I mean, look, look at that. I mean, Aziz would be here for three more years. Quincy Roche would be here for three more years. Ellerson Smith, three more years if he makes the team. And then you add two more guys that you can have a guy that could be here for five years if he's a first round pick. And then two guys, if you had through the draft, four years. I mean, that's a really complete edge room that can be together for a long time. So you want to know what? You convince me, and then I also convince myself. Huge, that would be awesome value out of all those edge rushers if they can be drafted around the same time. And you're not paying them a lot for a long time. Or who's, you know, now free agency is going to be slim pickings for the Giants this year. But who's to say we don't go out and give someone a Marcus Golden type deal? Yeah, if there's one position at which I feel like you can give those contracts to and you'll get good value, I mean, you know, Hassan Reddick, I mean, that's a guy who I feel like he started getting those like one year deals and now he's the staple. I think, you know, what isn't he with the Panthers and he's and he's doing and he's doing well. Marcus Golden. Marcus Golden was a guy who got those one year deals. He led the Cardinals in sacks this year and he's like, he's a pro bowler. So if there's one position that is starting to get devalued across the NFL, you know, where you know, I think teams are scared of paying edge rushers unless you're like the top, top, top tier. It is edge rusher. You should be able to get good bargain deals for those guys. So yeah, even even you know, even that. We we talk about O'Shane Zimenez. I mean, thirteen tackles, zero sacks, zero tackles for loss, two QB hits. He flashed a little bit as a rookie. Like had four and a half sacks. Like got some, you know, not just the sacks, but had like some nice pressures. Flashed a little bit as a rookie. Had in, got injured, and this year, man, he just sucked. He didn't do anything as a pass rusher, which is like is like the only thing that he was brought in to do. He doesn't play the run well. He doesn't offer anything in coverage. He jumped off sides versus the Chiefs, which you know I'm not going to judge him off of one play, um, but like. He just sucked, man. And I and I know I know he did get hurt a little bit by playing in Patrick Graham's system where they don't want the edge guys, you know, jumping back inside. And that's something that Lorenzo or O'Shane thrived at a little bit, and it's the reason why Golden didn't get as much playing time uh here. Is but at the same time, it's like you gotta do more than that. 
Like you can't, it, it was just a pitiful year. Like the most pitiful, like most pitiful, like starting, like the, you have your 22 starters and then like eight to nine rotational guys. So like he was one of those 30 guys, Justin, most disappointing of the year, even more so than guys like Kyle Rudolph. He was a healthy scratch for the second half of the season. Healthy scratch. When the Giants' edge room was bad. And he should have been a healthy scratch before that because they remember they are healthy scratching Roche. And it was like, Roche can do more than this guy. Play Roche. Like, he should have been a healthy scratch a month before he actually did. And it took O'Shane's – and this is part of the conversation that's frustrating with coaches. It took O'Shane Zimenez jumping offside against the Chiefs for them to start doing that. Yeah, so. Is he cut? Is he even Oh, that- yeah. I mean, I think he got, He might. I don't even know. I don't think it's even a guarantee he makes it to camp. I do think he goes to camp, but I don't think it's even a guarantee. Like, he's cut. I, I think he's an off-season cut. Yes. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, it probably because he has a third-round contract. Let's look at O'Shane. I should have done this beforehand. Contract. I don't care how much dead cap or whatever. He. he I mean, is- it's a rookie contract. I don't think there's even... So over the cap got has him at let's see for this year 2022 he's got 200,000 a dead cap in his cap number it would save a million O'Shane Zimenez should be cut yeah he's going to and the Giants need every cent that they can get yeah so O'Shane Zimenez will be cut like that's I'd be I'd be shocked if he's not yeah you save a million dollars he's cut. He's expiring. Uh, he's he's on a he's almost on an expiring deal anyway, right? Yeah, this would be the third year of a, of a four year deal. Sorry, or, or no, no, he would be on an expiring deal. Yeah, which is crazy how time's flying. I remember talking about the Oceans in his draft. He was a good player at Old Dominion, but it was at Old Dominion. But he had three sacks for Virginia Tech. All right, um, who was that guy from Eastern Carolina that had three? Who was he? All right, that's an episode. You're going to go crazy thinking about this. All right. Um, head coach prediction. Who are we getting? Brian Dable. Yeah. Miami has st- stupid Dolphins. Um, they are having their second round of interviews next week, and the Giants are pretty much done with their second round of interviews. So, Brian Dable it is. It'll either be, I guess, maybe today when you're listening to this or Saturday. Yeah. Do you what happened? What's your reaction if it's Brian Flores? I am kind of grinding my teeth, and I'm going to be saying on this show that I believe in Joe Shane. That Brian Flores convinced him he has a good vision on the offense. Ha ha! That will be the the tone. I don't because I'm nervous about it, Bobby. I really am. It's but an I'm... offensive league. It is an offensive league, and Brian Flores has done nothing. Nothing in his coaching career. Yes, he wins football games, and I'm. What do you mean, I, done nothing? Is done. Listen, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done with the sense. He has done nothing to convince anybody that he is going to put together and run a competent offense, or put the people in place to run a competent offense. He's done nothing. How many coordinators? Guys have quit. Jim Caldwell was the assistant head coach and quarterbacks coach in 2019. What happened to him? He had health issues. He had health issues? Okay. And that's a different story. Um, Yeah, he had to step away. So, I I don't know. I'm not mad at if Brian Flores is... In fact, I I switched up. I think I want Brian Flores over Leslie Frazier. No, I'm not not mad. Oh, so our our conversation just meant nothing the other day. Um, 
there, there's just hesitations. There's, there's the word I like to use. There's trepidations about Flores, and I have them. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. We had a deep conversation about it the other day. Like, I'm, I'm there too. But there's also a lot of good things about Brian Flores too. Offense is the most important thing, and I just don't believe he can bring in a good offense coordinator, especially with the lackluster roster. What if they could bring in Ken Dorsey? Well, again, that's a big if because he's in line. He would be in line to get a promotion. Well, that, I'm saying if Dable stayed, I don't think they. Don't. Again, we're we're talking hypotheticals, and I again, I just don't believe that he's going to bring in a good OC. All right, yeah, we'll talk about head coach on the head coach side, which will probably be by the time you're listening to this. So we appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to our Edge review, our Giant stories, Antonio Williams, and uh, and our Jones Chain presser. We'll see you guys probably sometime this weekend. If not, we'll see you when we see you. And we're going down to Senior Bowl Mobile, Alabama next week. We'll talk about that on the head coach episode. We appreciate you guys. See you next time. Until then, let's go Big Blue. Nate Harvey was the name of the show, of the guy. Let's go Big Blue.